all listeners. Hi. Thanks for tuning in for another one of our podcasts. We are the Not So Giant Women, Daria and Ivy. Now we have, this is one of the more vague titles that this show gives to us, and that would be Historical Friction. So what does that bring to mind? Provided the friction between characters in the present day, I don't know if they're going to hark back to maybe they've had such a problem before in mm. history. <laughs> it's a play on historical fiction, of course, whether or not it's just a play because it sounds nice or that's going to tie into it too. I don't know as yet. Ooh, I like your prediction. So, we go. Well, let's find out what the story is giving us next historical friction. make the audience happy. That's why you always end on a joke. Yeah, that was fun. Less mind-bending than the previous adventure of Onion. Yeah, the historical friction is a reference to historical fiction because this week, Jamie's putting on a play. And as... No one but Stephen turns up to the audition. Stephen's going to play the lead and Jamie's going to play everybody else. It is the story of William Dewey, not the current mayor of Beach City, but his ancestor that founded it 200 or so years ago. The first run through of the play is a brief affair describing how William Dewey braved a storm by growing to 50 feet tall and <laughs> bringing his boat to land. And... This was written by Mayor Dewey, the current one, and neither Stephen nor Jamie are especially enamoured with this. Stephen takes this home to Pearl, who's in a funk, and when Stephen reveals that William Dewey (laughs) would have been a human with flaws and he should recognise he needs to try and keep doing better, Pearl says that maybe that's a lesson she could learn. But enough of the ongoing plot because turns out these events Pearl was present for all those centuries, well, those two or so centuries ago, and goes to town on the script, rewriting it to fit better with what she observed mm. and adding flaws to the characters in the story and Stephen adds to jokes. The following night, which alarmed me as someone who does performing arts, is <laughs> put on for a number of the boardies, including Mayor Dewey, who does not know about the changes. And he is alarmed that the Stephen incarnation of his ancestor is all saying, oh, I am so flawed. They called me Dewey to dunce back home and I couldn't find land if I was standing on it. Buck notes. Oh, what a loser. <laughs> the play tells of an encounter from William Dewey's ship with a, well, presumably some kind of corrupted gem, Kraken-like thing represented by a shadow playing cardboard tentacles. But the crystal gems in the play stop. The crystal gems are represented pearl by Jamie with a party hat over his nose, garnered by Jamie with some sunglasses and a box over his head, an amethyst by a mop. They fuse and save the day in shadow puppet form and guide the ship to land where Mayor Dewey says, he's sorry, where William Dewey yeah. says that <laughs> he's going to name the new city after his first mate that was taken by the monster, except his first mate then turns up alive and he just says, okay, beach city it is then. The bodies like the play and Buck says, wow, it's good to know great granddad was you know, like a real person. And 
So Mayor Dewey comes around to the way of thinking about this and offers Jamie a spot of director of Beach City Community Theatre, which I have a feeling consists of him at this stage. Pearl notes that there were still some inaccuracies with the script and Stephen is basically, you know, art's got to art and then you finish on a joke, except we don't. <laughs> which is the joke. <laughs> That's very meta. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so yeah, Jamie's back. Jamie's back. Jamie's still around. Jamie has, I guess, found theatre, local theatre, to occupy himself rather than mooning over Garnet. That's what Garnet told him to do, so I'm glad he did. Yeah, and this does ever so briefly tie into the Pearl and Garnet are having troubles arc. Ever so briefly. really, I mean, quite literally, you could cut that and lose nothing besides that aspect. Right. That's how brief it is. Yes. I mean, even Pearl's remark about learning lessons and learning lessons fairly in and of itself doesn't point to the problem. We just really, if you didn't know that was going on, you wouldn't be missing anything for this particular episode. Yeah, it's relatively standalone. And yeah, in fact, once again, two of the crystal gems don't appear except in <laughs> Jamie prop and costume form. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe maybe Pearl was hoping Garnet would come along, see the play, and be flattered by how she is represented and, help, and forgive her. <laughs> we return to, just as we were discussing last time, Mayor Dewey thinks that Pearl is the hot one. And yeah. Is, She's not there for it, is, it, is she? No. He asks, can I sit here in this, <laughs> I don't know, would-be Lothario way, and she just says yes and moves somewhere else. He tries to impress her by saying, you know, I wrote this play, and she just gets up and sits somewhere else and she's probably thinking i'm far too gay for this and even if i weren't he's far too mad dewey right in honesty like outside of the joke she's probably just like dude i just rewrote this play because it was so bad and so historically inaccurate you think that is a good opening line besides the fact that you're completely not interesting to me and not you're also not impressing me she just she just got up she just murdered him yeah, she is probably thinking, I see his inability of words as an ongoing problem. Yeah. Well, she needed to be somewhere else so she could focus all of her attention on yelling, Steven, you're so talented. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, community theater. Oh, my God. She's such a mom. So funny. Isn't the current Mayor Dewey also called William? You know, they don't specify out loud anywhere, but I believe that he's been referred to as Bill, which is usually short for William. That must be what I'm thinking of. Elsewhere there is, well, I guess technically it's in the future, but someone calls him Billiam, which is interesting. (laughs) And his son is named Buck. So I'm like, I guess everybody wants to be Buck and Bill and references to money. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So... I don't know. Maybe his name is Billiam. I don't know if that was a joke or not, but we'll talk yeah. about it in the future when you hear it. <laughs> yeah, I thought I remembered the Bill thing. Yeah. So, I mean, it is usually, if someone's named Bill, their full name is probably William. In this episode, for all intents and purposes, the first name is Mayor. That's right. Mr. Uh, Dewey just sounds weird. Yeah, still, still trying to get reelected against somebody because there's the campaign poster at the end of the play. Exactly. <laughs> You think you think they might have just thrown that up there at the end as a last ditch effort to make him feel like, oh well, I guess this play was this rewrite was all right. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't be su- I wouldn't be surprised if you put that in the original script. Oh, <laughs> uh, 
Ah, I like the message. Vote Mayor Dewey. <laughs> hmm. His intelligence does seem to fluctuate a bit. I guess that's what happens when you're always running for your election against nobody and there's constantly monsters in your town. You start to stress out and glitch a bit. I would say so. And we know the monsters have certainly been there a lot longer than he has, so he's been dealing with them the whole time. Which is probably why he's running unopposed. <laughs> yeah, who else wants that job, right? Mm. So, yeah, but he thought his play did not need edits, and it was perfect. And he's perfect on the first try, just like his ancestor. Yeah. That I really hate that attitude. I know it was exaggerated purposes of cartoons but oh my gosh i'm sure you've run into people like that in your various circles. Uh, yeah oh sorry i was reliving one of these the other day when i was reminded of something being adapted from an uh, an elaborate ed- epic down to dinner theater and trying to do so sincerely hmm. and well william dewey is probably a bit of a self-insert or mary sue for mayor dewey yeah well, insofar as anything in what's apparently a two-minute play. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, like, I mean, I know that part of it was that he wrote the play and part of it was that it was about his ancestor who he's clearly got this sort of hero worship of. But his attitude kind of, it reminded me a little bit of the way in the United States, like we talk about the founding fathers with this reverence that mm. they as flawed men probably do not deserve. I mean... I don't want to be a jerk about it. I don't know who they were either, but I tend to get like kind of this creepy crawly feeling when you hear people talk about the founding fathers as if they they were these flawless people, just like Dewey was talking about his great, 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 whatever grandfather, as if he not only never had any flaws, but was a superhero who could turn into a 50 foot giant for no reason. Like, yeah, he totally had these superpowers. What the hell are you talking about, man? Yeah, and it probably didn't hurt that in the Dewey family, I imagine there's been a few generations of how amazing your granddad and great-granddad and etc. was. He yeah. gets bigger and more powerful every time. Right. Hmm. And, you know, brushes aside such things as monsters and assists from alien rocks. Right. I mean, what possesses somebody to to like rewrite the history of an area that clearly has, you know, alien involvement and say like, let's just erase them entirely from history. And we'll say that inexplicably an ancestor of mine was this 50 foot giant. We're going to leave the 50 foot giant in the story, (laughs) but it it was our, it was our granddad. What? Might be some versions of the Paul Bunyan story. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But yeah, obviously there's no secrets here because Stephen doesn't even blink at telling Jamie that, oh, Pearl did this and she was there and Jamie doesn't disagree either. So obviously this is just a thing people know. And I just love the lack of masquerade over this in Beach City. (laughs) Right. Well, enough of them have probably had their pizza shops and whatnot wrecked by space debris or weird snarly monsters with gemstones on them somewhere. And the crystal gems have shown no interest in hiding their activities whatsoever. Nope. Coming to eat the bits while being purple and whatnot. Which makes you, again, wonder why Mayor Dewey thought he'd get away with this fabrication, because surely he would have at least been able to take a guess that they were still around then. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, when you get that far up your own butt, it's really hard to (laughs) 
get touch with reality again, even if reality means telling you the true story of the heroic space rocks. Mm. But, you know, I guess it's also just, it means that his crew and his grand great-grandfather or whatever he was 200 years ago was not a heroic rescuer. He was rescued by, you know, a giant woman. So he has less agency in his own story. But as Stephen and Pearl showed, the takeaway is how he was determined and kept trying in the face of failure, not that he never failed. Right. Yeah. And like most people will find that a lot more relatable than this person just came out of the womb as a flawless individual who never had to learn anything because he was already perfect. And Mayor Dewey has probably made some kind of connection of, if people think my ancestor had superpowers, they'll vote for me. (laughs) Well, I guess in his story, his superpowered ancestor was made mayor on the strength of his heroism. So, (laughs) Yeah, and I think we, didn't we, you know, did we not see that there was a previous Mayor Dewey? Hmm. There was, in one of the flashbacks, I think you noticed that there was a sign that said, vote for Buck. Mm. So I guess his father was probably Buck. (laughs) Yeah, which also makes me wonder if the Jewies have just been mayor ever since Breach City was founded and just no one's interested in trying to take it from them. It seems that way, especially since based on if Pearl's description and their translation to play form was accurate, the fusion that William Dewey spoke to warned him that this was going to keep happening. Like, this is dangerous and you're choosing to live here, even though you can see what kind of stuff goes down here. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And the fusion, from what little we got, it appeared to, appeared to be opal. It was what? kind of unclear, wasn't it? Yeah. The, thing, the, the only candidates we readily know about are opal and sugalite mm-hmm. and it does seem less likely that it was sugalite who would guide someone to shore and warn them about the challenges ahead their depiction was a four-armed giant woman so we've met i guess what three of those but we also don't know how accurate Stephen's representation was and we don't know what Pearl told him exactly so who oh, knows yeah. Oh, yeah. how could I have forgotten sardonics oh yeah we are still in week of sardonics aren't we but probably not well it could have been alexandrite too but alexandrite has six arms yeah I was so. taking the forearm thing as it was both in the picture and in the words I was taking that on face value quadruple noogie mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and yeah well Granted, we don't know for sure. Opal seems simply seems the most likely candidate at this point. But she probably was not 50 feet tall. No. Mm. But then that that's the size of that hand was pushing it even for Sugalite, so. Yes, you're correct. Mm. And again, the idea of Sugalite doing what the fusion in this story did does seem less than likely. Yes. The pounding the monster, sure. The not going on to pound the boat and turn <laughs> Buddy and Dewey into paste, less so. Yeah. Mm. Well, I know that around this time, some people were trying to ask available crew members who was the fusion, and they would not answer. <laughs> I'm content for it to be a unknown. Sure. So let's see what else. It seemed like they were based on like the shadow puppets. It also looked like they were fighting, looked like a centipede, a really big one. Mm. Yeah, it looked but, you know, kind of centipede kraken hybrid. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And I just, I wonder if maybe just all the artistic license was left to Stephen. And he's like, well, I've seen this and I've seen this. <laughs> this is what those fights look like. Yeah, because Pearl only wrote it. She wasn't artistic director. <laughs> yeah. I would have liked to see the actual text of what how Pearl described it. Yeah, for a moment, I wondered if we were going to get a real event to retold event comparison, but this worked out better. Yeah. What do you think of Stephen's random accent? Yeah. It's Super Mario is just what it reminded me of. <laughs> Super Mario or a, a pizza advert. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. But it suddenly, ret- where? suddenly returns <laughs> at the end of the play. Yeah, that's what makes me great. Hmm. Very silly. I'm going to say, Jamie didn't seem too bothered with it, but then I suppose beggars can't be choosers. True. And I like that Stephen is the type of person who's like, oh, somebody I know who I'm friendly with is doing a play. Of course, I'm going to show up to auditions and support him. And blah. It's just nice. It's sweet. Hmm. And we suddenly have a lot of Jamie. That we didn't see him since episode three originally. And then he showed up for Love Letters. And then 10 episodes later, he's got like his own kind of focus episode again. Yeah, you could be forgiven for thinking they'd just kind of given up on him as a character, that he was an early thing and they decided not to roll with him, but here he is. Yeah, same voice actor and everything, same same everything, except now he has this additional character trait of wanting to be an actor. Mm. Yeah. My career is in ruins. Your career <laughs> at the post office? My hobby is in ruins. <laughs> Those are so Im- impressive shadow hand things he was doing. Though. Yeah. You can just do that, Jamie. You'll be good. <laughs> it's always funny how they do that in cartoons. Yeah, I thought it was just them having a bit of a hand wave that what he was doing with his hands yeah. matched nothing like what even we could see when he was in the same shot at it. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, even for a shoestring budget and no time to prepare, they did, they did pretty good with their, their scenery and their, their props and stuff, you know? Yeah, they did. Got a stage from somewhere. Oh, well, I, yeah. I mean, granted, Mayor Dewey was funding the original, and I guess they used some of that, but they would have had to, even if he gave them infinite funding, they would have had to get and make all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Stephen having a sword that was made out of a paper towel roll makes sense. Yeah, Jamie's I, costumes of the gems. <laughs> some quick and easy cosplay for you all at home. You can cosplay some other dude cosplaying as the gems. Yep. So last time I had a Halloween party, my friend Joe did that. Ah, <laughs> it's the party hat and the cardboard box and the mop. Yes, he was he was carrying a mop around with a paper amethyst gem tape to it, <laughs> and he had the sunglasses on that say "movie star." And he actually couldn't use a, a traditional party hat because it's just it won't do what Jamie's did in the show. So he kind of had to make his own little paper cone that would that would stay on his face that way and walked around the party with this cardboard box on his head and you know very funny and happened to be the year that when I threw this party I was also dressed as amethyst and a couple of people who knew what was going on made a joke that they couldn't tell if the mop or me wore it better (laughs) Mm. so it was finally the first year that I did a gem that was short so that was nice (laughs) Jamie pretending to be the crystal gems. I think that was my favorite part of the episode. Oh yeah, that was definitely yeah, that was the highlight for me. And I think that's what I'm yeah. gonna come away most remembering. Oh yeah. I heard you cackling. 
I was worried that you were going to take a drink before he popped up with the garnet box on his head. <laughs> he would just like spray it everywhere. <laughs> there was a danger. There was. I like when Jamie is pretending to be Pearl and he's like, I come to you with a message from the brilliant Rose Quartz. And he's throwing the rose petals in the Yeah, air. that bit. Yeah, it's like, you really got Pearl down, didn't you? And then he's got his garnet impression and he's got the monotone and the commanding stance and even the zooming in on his face about being humans not being really good swimmers, making reference to the same scene where Garnet claims to be a very good swimmer in love letters. I love that so much. Yeah, didn't actually do Rose, but I, I feel it wouldn't have been as funny to do Rose because we don't see her every week. So we're not as used to her. Yes. Also, she's not quite as instantly funny as the often as the other three often are. Right. We do know from the two times that we've seen flashbacks from her that she can be a little a little like goofy, a little dorky, but overall like there's not as much characterization with her that would work like that. Granted, I'm not writing the cartoon, but I can't think of I can't think of a funny and cheap way one would do her that's as off base as the other three. Like the box for Garnet's hair and the yeah. party hat for Pearl's nose. I mean, you could put a silly wig on and it'd be funny, but it wouldn't be the same as using some other prop. You're right. I'm not sure what could be substituted for a giant ball of pink curly hair like that. <laughs> and again, it's only been two or three episodes since we saw any of the others and we know what those are like. If you're just watching these as they go out, not actually seeing Rose that often at all. Exactly. Yeah. So, whereas Pearl's obsession with her, we do see a lot more often, so that worked. Yeah, I guess with the Pearl rewriting it and then Stephen kind of giving direction, I guess, to Jamie, he wouldn't have had much context for Rose either. That too. Yeah, I just really liked all of that. And there was a whole thing after Jamie doing the Crystal Gems impressions, like. I think it probably even continues to this day in some places where people will make fan art or fan representations of other things, like other episodes that are memorable, except with Jamie playing them. It's fun. It's like a fun thing. Yeah. I think I've seen like him doing hand puppets for Ruby and Sapphire in Keystone Motel and stuff. <laughs> it's very sweet. Oh, it's a, a bit like, and I know if you've said you don't watch these, but I imagine some listeners have Ant-Man's mate that retells all the stories in this weird, fast, drunk history style, which sometimes includes stuff we've already seen on screen. Oh. <laughs> yeah, this is fan stuff, so it's just funny. <laughs> hmm. Oh, wait, I have loads more probing questions to ask. Okay, so now that we have, we know that they, you know, the gems were in the area before, long before Beach City existed, and we have this timeline that they showed up and they tried to tell Dewey that, tell William Dewey that there was danger, like he was essentially taking responsibility for whatever danger if he decided to settle there. Does any of that like affect your perspective on like the gems property damage problem, like (laughs) in Beach City that? they're always wrecking stuff does that change kind of your perspective about how how responsible they should be for cleaning up after themselves at all i think i'd already decided that by the present day 
they'd had, as we find out this week, 200 odd years of if you come to Beach City, if you live in Beach City, if you work in Beach City, you're going to face the risk of some kind of chaos. Yep. So maybe in the real events, the gems gave Dewey more of a lecture about this. But I think by the present day, 200 years later, it's under, you know what you're getting into. Mm. Because, I mean, for the most part, gems the gems don't actually go out to cause the property damage. Right, of course. And it's usually less property damage than would result if they just let the oh, sure. the gems go wild on the town. So, yeah. yeah. Early on, I'd say that any settlers who congregated on William <laughs> Dewey had had the right to get their back up about this. But by by the present day, it's, you've got to be going, this is a condition of the land. And <laughs> so far as we can tell, the crystal gems don't invite these things per se. They just kind of happen. Also, they were here first. Right. Maybe we shouldn't build a, a city on the other side of a giant, mysterious temple where aliens are living. Uh, I mean, even Grandma Peter isn't 200 years old. So, yeah. Like, whereas, you know, Pearl is able to tell this story that happened 200 years ago as very recent history. And they probably feel like, well, we just, we made a deal with this guy. I mean, yeah, he's dead. But like, we remember being like, y'all shouldn't be coming in here. This is really dangerous. So from from their perspective, like, "Mm, you decided to live here. I mean, certainly there is the case to be made that the Crystal Gems could do more to prevent or reduce property damage. But yeah, I, I don't think I'd file under property damage is entirely is entirely Jem's fault and you're all blameless end of. Mm-hmm. I just hope they have good insurance. Yeah. A bit like when you build near an earthquake fault. I mm-hmm. mean, sure, whoever established your town there might not have known at the time that was a thing, but by now you do. And yeah, we've, we've seen there are still towns and cities right on places that are just right in going to get smacked by an earthquake if a big one comes town but very few of those people are moving because of that and if they they do it's because it came along and destroyed their house even though they knew it was a risk already right so why you can't really blame the people or the earthquake for that it just doesn't work and i think it's the same with the gems the crystal gems are possibly mitigating what would be worse damage it's just that they kind of look like the face of property damage to well because they're always around and <laughs> anything they fight just gets turned into a gem in a bubble yeah no we definitely saw kind of i mean way back in season one with kofi being like really mad at them for just you know destroying his sign and walking away so he's really the only example i think i mean we've seen others be upset about it like mr Fryman in like episode two he has to watch his sign get blown down in the red eye incident but he's not like being like look at what you guys did not whatever hmm. but you know with their with their enhanced strength and abilities like they could also help build things back pretty quickly and they apparently don't so yeah that is a failing on their part i mean while I don't think they're sort of required to, I think it would at least be a good gesture for them to at least clean a few rocks out of the road. Yeah, we did see them cleaning up the wrecked gem ship at the beginning of season two, but I think that that was partly because they didn't want humans to get this technology because they might hurt themselves with it. And back in one of the Ronaldo episodes, we saw that there was still 
debris and holes just sitting there as long as it wasn't actively obstructing life. Yeah. Hmm. Here's one thing that I thought was interesting is that Stephen didn't seem to have a, an objection to the way the story was being told. I, I have jumped away from the subject of the project property damage, by the way. Uh, Stephen seemed impressed, actually, with this, with Mayor Dewey's story. Like, wow, that was great. And then when Jamie starts framing it as, this is a terrible story because nobody's like that, Stephen agrees with him and he's learned something about like the storytelling and also about the character of people. Nobody is just good at things immediately and has no flaws. This is interesting that he was like he was immediately that person who says, like, this is a great story and change nothing. You know, like he had no he had just nothing but enthusiasm for it and didn't think about it critically until Jamie encouraged him to, which is interesting. Yeah, I guess that's partly being nice to his friend, partly Stevenian enthusiasm. Stevenian enthusiasm. I think so. Same kind of thing that had him coming out for auditions for Jamie because, of course, I'm going to do that because I'm Steven and he's Jamie and this is fun. So when Jamie kind of goes, oh, this is all terrible, Steven's (laughs) like, oh, is that an option? We can say that? Yes, yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, after Jamie like frames it as real heroes must struggle and he's like that's so beautiful and also totally not represented in mayor dewey's play <laughs> i mean if this were a slightly earlier Stephen, i might even wonder if he just hadn't hit on the idea that hero sh- struggling was more interesting storytelling right and this was the first time he was learning it mm-hmm. wonder if he internalized any of that about himself or about what pearl is going through because she did make like a little gesture of trying to tie that to what she was going through but you know yeah, the past couple episodes for all he was blaming himself for stuff in in keystone motel mm-hmm. that that talk afterwards seems to have just gone straight to his head because he's just pretty blithely unbothered about the whole thing about now yeah i mean he, when we saw him last time he was more upset in the moment that Amethyst wasn't engaging than particularly concerned about Garnet and Pearl. And yeah, he doesn't even mention the matter this week. It's only Pearl's oblique references. That's right. So it's like, don't worry, Stephen, this isn't your fault. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Done. Yeah. I wonder if it would have been different if there had been like an incident, like if the two of them were in the same room and he had to watch them being cold to each other, Pearl seeming really nervous around Garnet or something. He might have had some more reactions, but maybe he's just, you know, putting it to the back of his mind. And I think this past couple episodes, putting putting that scene in would just kind of be doing it for its its own sake. Yeah. Because the story even even though there's hints of it in Onion Friend, but we it doesn't really directly wrap into the ongoing issue of their argument not directly it's more about its effect on amethyst and even that's a minor part of the story in itself Mm. in that we know amethyst is having trouble but it's not necessary for it to be explicitly about the sardonics matter for that story to work yeah and yeah you could just assume there's family problems yeah yeah and similarly this way like i said you could literally cut those lines of pearls and Mm -hmm. While in the you'd lose something from the greater picture, this episode would be entirely fine, right? And even what she says isn't terribly explicit about what's actually happened. 
left, right? There's really only the one line and her kind of being staring into space and needing a couple of tries from Steven for him to get her attention. Yeah. And uh, that's it. Yeah, there's probably less there's probably less than twenty seconds of that all up. And I think this is one of those times where if you've been watching and you know what that's about, that brings a depth to it. And that's great. But if you mm-hmm. happen to just tune into this one, mm-hmm. then shoving more of the argument in if it's not actually going to be properly dealt with is part of the story story would just be what why is that there? What mm-hmm. It would be weird. It would feel like you either have to do this or you have to do that. You can't do both. Yeah. And basically, if you made the argument explicit again, you'd have viewers who are watching ongoing going, no, we want to see that and address it. Mm -hmm. If they're both going to be here, if only one of them's here or neither of them's here last time, they can go, Mm -hmm. I know this is ongoing thing, but other stuff's going to happen in the meantime. This is going to be about that. Yeah. Possibly also helps that this is a Stephen Bomb, so you're getting the episodes bam, 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 and yeah. you know you haven't been waiting three months on the idea of the argument only to have Pearl just be a bit sad for a few seconds and then never mention it again. Yeah. Do you think it's important that arcs like this would have a breather episode like this? I think it is. Normally I think I'd say that last time Onion Friend was the more appropriate level of breather episode. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there was some rearranging to get this into the sequence because Stephen bombs have to be a certain length. Mm. Uh, again, I don't know what happens next time, of course. So I don't know how heavily it's dealt with or brought in. But again, while we have often talked about how there's no such thing as a skippable episode, in terms of that argument, this would be a skippable episode if there were such a thing in terms of that Mm-hmm. A plot, which sinks down to C plot, and presumably will come A plot again. Right, and you don't ever see any like any attempt to suggest that Pearl is really into this rewrite because she's trying to do something right, or that she's trying to distract herself or something. Like you never get that feeling. It's sort of like it with, like you said, with those couple of moments cut, it would have been standalone or could it land anywhere? Yeah, and her concern for. Accuracy, that's just Pearl. I mean, we know how she likes teaching things and facts and being correct. So yeah, yeah, that's not a part. And Amethyst also wasn't around, so you didn't really feel that Garnet was deliberately absent. Mm -hmm. Just kind of happened to catch Pearl as the one who was home. Yes. Let's not forget, ruggedly handsome seems ruggedly handsome seems rather generous. She's (laughs) it's really Mm. well. I wouldn't ask for her opinion on the handsomeness of men. <laughs> well, yeah. Mind you, she probably has at least some sense of aesthetics and knows the difference between ruggedly handsome and very much not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not into men either, but I understood when another review referred to Marvel's Loki as a handsome Tommy was looking like a handsome Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> And in fact, that comparison was made by someone else who wasn't into men. So there you go. Now, Mr. Wiseau has come up in two episodes <laughs> of our podcast back to back as well. Well, one was Onions doing, and if anyone was going to. 100% true. Mm. He probably thinks Wiseau is a great auteur. <laughs> there we go. More explicit reference there. <laughs> mm. oh, so let's see. 
So we got an ancestor for Mayor Dewey, and we also got a first mate buddy. And yeah, of approximate timeline. Yeah, and you kind of get the idea that maybe first mate buddy was in fact the rest of the entire crew. <laughs> so if, again, first mate might have been a generous description that William Dewey actually gave at the time. I like that he turned out to be alive and then he's like, oh, Beach City. Okay, never mind. We don't have to name it after him anymore. <sighs> also scuppers any sort of fan speculation that what if there's a deep reason it's called Beach City besides it being on a city on a beach? What if it's named after someone called Beach or there's some other incident? It's like, no, no, you landed on a beach and founded the city. It's Beach City. Well, it is Dewey's family. So I don't expect that there would be necessarily a whole lot of creativity there. Oh, I wonder if the gems had names for the area. Well, I guess they did. But that's probably not that clear as such. I mean, they possibly, given this is an interstellarly traveling species, they possibly sort of think as Earth as the locality and just yeah. narrows it down to the area around the temple. Huh. Unless they're yeah. indigenous names of things, they might have picked them up as the only names they had for stuff. Mm. Yeah. But then, yeah, gems aren't great on naming things. Their homeworld appears to be called Homeworld. Yeah. Which makes my, uh, which makes my original placeholder of Gemsphere look downright creative. Mm-hmm. I mean, they come from a species where, like, you know, she's got an amethyst in her chest and her name is Amethyst. <laughs> like... That's just what that is. (laughs) Yeah, this does feed into the working suspicion that the non-crystal gems are not very creative as a people. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, and we had... uh, Even the crystal gems themselves. It took me ages to work out that crystal gem wasn't just a long form of gem, but that it specifically referred to this group. Yeah, there wasn't any reason for us to know that there was any other faction until, I guess, well, I guess first Lapis was making a distinction like, oh, well, they're the crystal gems. And then Jasper, of course. (laughs) It's not a huge distinction between gem and crystal gem, especially because, well, they also kind of literally mean the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not sure where they got that, but again, not creative with names, are they? Mm. But we saw Peridot, let's see, when was this Marble Madness saying, have Stevens replaced humans as the dominant species? (laughs) Yes, she doesn't understand a species or a culture that has non-descriptive names. Yeah, funny. Mm. So let's see. There was something about this episode that I meant to uh, made a mental note to talk to you about and then now i think i forgot the wine kicking in (laughs) i shouldn't drink when i do these oh at the end of the play they they show jamie kind of like signing autographs and getting approached by mayor dewey to become the leader of community theater or whatever right before that nanifwa comes over and slaps jamie on the butt and i didn't like that (laughs) I'm kind of not used to seeing stuff like that. And it's just a pet peeve of mine when they show kind of, especially smaller or elderly women, you know, doing something like slapping a man on the ass. It's like, well, she's obviously not going to be endangering him physically. So everyone interprets that kind of 
inappropriate touching and unconsented touching as like it's kind of charming and quirky for an old lady to slap somebody on the butt because she's not going to do anything. But I definitely don't like when that happens in anything. Yeah, I mean, I know it used to be read as more of a good luck gesture, but by the time this was made, and granted, Nanafwe is old, yeah. by the time this was made, that is not what it meant anymore, and it does make her look like a dirty old woman. Yeah, it kind of does, and she wasn't ever before, really. She's quirky, but she's never struck me as like, hilariously perv old lady kind of trope, which I never liked. But, you know, I think I'm going to rewrite my headcanon of this and be like, it's just going to be what you said, that she's just giving him a good luck pat and she's too short to do it on his back. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was coming to too, I suppose. I was going, I suppose if you were still doing it physically now, on the back would be more acceptable. (laughs) Bit up in the air because it's still touching someone, but touching someone in a different way at least. So right. she just couldn't jump up high enough to get his back. Right. I'm just going to decide that because I like Nanafwa and I don't want her to be touching somebody's button mm. without asking. But, you know, it, it did happen, though. And I'm just kind of like, mm, I wish they hadn't put that there because it's not like it's never funny to me when people are just like, oh, slap on the ass. Here it is. And he just kind of goes, oh, like that. <laughs> So granted, uh, we have no idea of their prior relationship, but yeah, it does come off a bit weird. Yeah, it just stuck stuck out to me as surprising <laughs> because neither of well, none of us specifically wouldn't have expected her to do that to anyone. I mean, they haven't told us that after moving on from Garnet that Jamie took up with Nanafway. I know. We have not seen anything to that effect. Though damn it, I kinda wanna ship them now just because I said that and it's so out of left field <laughs> yeah even though as far as i know this might be the only time they exchange any words in the entire series <laughs> there you go this makes them hard for me hard for them to contradict it ah! there you go well i guess speaking of crushes and whatnot i think pearl was doing as much as she could to kind of address what mayor dewey was uh, he was trying to find excuses to talk to her and compliment her and stuff mm-hmm. At the end there, after she obviously rebuffed his attempt to impress her, just got up and walked away, as we talked about earlier. At the end, he comes up and thanks her, and she pats him on the head, like almost like condescending, like, oh, you're a little child. And she goes, like, what? 200 years between friends. (laughs) And he's like, okay, I'm going away now. What did he say? Bask in the adulation of my constituents or something like that? Yeah. (laughs) Sure, you are, Dewey. You're probably not going away to do that. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you're probably going to have a shot at that by default because that's because you're Mayor Dewey, but. Ah, oh, and they were chanting his name at the end. So I guess they're going to vote Mayor Dewey. Against no one. What do their ballots look like in Beach City? My goodness. Mayor Dewey and whoever gets written in the most times. <laughs> I now smushed it together and I want none of her to be mayor. <laughs> there you go. I'd vote for her. Yeah. She'd probably be good mayor. There you go. She's already started a political sex scandal. (laughs) She has already started a political sex scandal. And she has yelled at Dewey several times when he lied back in political power that the 
stuff would be on. At first, she's just like, oh, I trust this man. And then later, she's like, you're lying. Tip the truck. (laughs) And isn't an adorable thought to picture them having a electoral debate like potential presidents do with the podiums? And she has to have a little step ladder to get up to the podium. 100%. In all fairness, so would I. (laughs) But I don't have a bun as big as the rest of my head. But she keeps stuff in there. (laughs) I want to see that now, too. You're just adding all these things to my head cannons. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. What else can we say about this? Hmm. Well, it wasn't a musical, so we didn't really get a song. That's right. I did hear like some soundtrack kind of music that was going on during the play that was trying to sound colonial or something, but I don't know what any of those were called. If they have names, I don't think they were on the soundtrack. Jamie's got a a free track and rigged up his iPod. Hmm. Hey, I mean, you get what you pay for, right? (laughs) Oh, what else? Oh, I was wondering if during the actual event that Pearl described, whether the gems had been wearing the outfits that they were depicted in the picture from so many birthdays. Because it was a while ago. Yeah, I too linked this era to the picture because it's, well, it is that yeah. kind of era. Probably give or take yeah. a decade or three. But. Mm-hmm. Hey, it could have been the same trip where Garnet punched the shark. Yeah, they could have been on their way back from shark punching and go, oh no, look at this dude and his crew of one, they're in trouble. <laughs> They've already rescued a bunch of dudes. There were like some humans in that boat, I think, in the picture. Maybe that's where the rest of the population of Beat City came from. I'm getting so many headcanons from this now. Humans aren't very good swimmers. (laughs) Maybe that's how they know that is why there's not more people in the boat in the picture. Mm. I don't think that I have any other random things to talk about in this one. This was really like not that much content. It was very light. So Mm. no food either. No No food. I was just flipping back through. I go, no, they just met on the beach and the only time we went back to the kitchen was to shoot through it into the living room yeah no food no music no food i'm learning new things all the time i guess this is kind of factoids i usually mention who drew the storyboards and that would be hillary florido and zook again jesse zook and they are now a team like that those two are going to work together from here So that's pretty cool. Although I'm not like a real, real huge fan of this episode. So I guess not a super great beginning, but I do like them as a team a lot. So, oh, you know, didn't say what they put as the description, the official description of this one. And that one was, let's see, Stephen and Jamie put on a play about the founding of Beach City. Well, that's what it says on the tin. (laughs) Absolutely. There's not really anything to spoil. (laughs) No. And on their promo art, they had the theater masks, the tragedy and comedy masks for their promo art. Yeah, that's really all that I have for factoids. I can't even think of anything that was, besides what I told you about the fan stuff that came out of this one, where people kept drawing other scenes with, as they started to call it, the Crystal Jamies. (laughs) That's pretty good, huh? That is cute. <laughs> Go check out our merch table. Do you want to see my merch? See some merch? Any guesses? <laughs> Are we seeing huh? some Jamie? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> so 
and put on I put on ah, the shirt. I noticed you changed yeah. the shirt in yeah. between episodes. I did I put it on while we were watching it? We are the crystal gems. Says on my shirt, and it has for those who don't get to see visuals, it has Jamie in his pearl nose and Jamie in his movie star sunglasses with a box on his head. The font is also not quite right. You're it's right. kind of increased right. the Jamie doing this on a budget thing. Yes. So that That's is my merch. I, I guess there's not a lot of other Jamie-related stuff. I can't really think of any Jamie-related stuff besides just maybe some references on comics covers and stuff like that. Is that an official that. one, your shirt? Ah, yes. Some, some <laughs> of the one with more niche references have been fan ones, but I guess this was... This was That's right. Yeah, I was surprised. Make an appearance. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised that they put that on a Cartoon Network distributed shirt. I actually tried to buy this shirt once from like an eBay seller, and I didn't notice that they had put on there that it was in a child size. So I actually have this in like a little boy t-shirt that I haven't managed to find somebody who wants it. (laughs) Even though I'm a not so giant woman, it is like a toddler shirt. So... (laughs) I'm not quite that not so giant. <laughs> so so I have I have a teeny tiny one of these. <laughs> and then I got the adult size one from the Cartoon Network I store. Like I really like it. it. <laughs> it's silly. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those things that if I wore it in public and somebody knew what it was, I would know that they really pay attention because this is not super popular episode but it's definitely a popular fan reference (laughs) i've seen you know cosplay of jamie doing that stuff besides just my friend who did it and yeah it's pretty well known (laughs) and i also like this because as you've pointed out before so much official merchandise uses the same images yes which this definitely does not so that's another cool thing about it right also is that a little bit surprising from a piece of official merchandise yeah, I always appreciate that, especially since it's not the main characters and it's not like, oh, somebody who knows that their kid likes this show is going to go get something with the main characters or Steven's big face or something. Anybody who didn't, who was like buying this for someone else, they would look at that and they don't know what it is, so they wouldn't get it. So one thing from one episode, but <laughs> hmm. I really want, I wish that this existed as an official shirt. I really want something where it has Stevani on it that says, not your baby. I've seen it as a fan shirt, but I just, there was something about it that I didn't like or didn't want or something. I can't remember. So I would really like that to exist as an official shirt. Um, I've seen an official shirt with Stevani, but it says Stevani on it, which I thought was odd. It's always strange when they, when they do that. Like, I know who this is. I bought the shirt. I know who they are. And if you don't know who they are, telling you they're Stefani isn't going to mean anything more. (laughs) Yeah. Not your baby. I have definitely said that to people, even though I don't then get rid of them by dancing (laughs) in a particular way and then turning into two children. (laughs) I usually say it's something crabby cats are saying. When a cat's in a sour mood and doesn't want pats or cuddles, it's like, I got your baby. Hmm. Any final thoughts that you have about historical friction? No, I mean, I seem to have liked it better than you. Oh, yeah. I do. It's fluff, but it's fun fluff, and it's got some good laughs in it, so maybe rewatch value is 
loathe because some of them are once you've seen them, that's it jokes. Yeah. No matter how high an episode ranks on my overall list, I always really enjoy them the first time I see them. And I think I also think if I were doing a full rewatch, I wouldn't go, oh, this one and skip over, even though it is, at least as far as I know, pretty inconsequential. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say as far as I know, because I don't know if Jamie uses his excellent disguise powers in a later episode to fool the Great Diamond Authority into thinking he's the Crystal Gems. See, like, that would be interesting because I, you don't know, maybe if this is showing us an excuse for Jamie to have a bunch of context about the Crystal Gems. Like, I really like their storytelling because even though ostensibly this is about the main problem of them trying to figure out how to tell the story about a flawed human being, you know, you're also getting history of Beach City. You're also getting these details about an early battle that happened before Beach City was founded. And Jamie is now part of the group of people who know this. So it's like, you don't know at this point, like, how are they going to use Jamie if they're going to use him? You know, so they do a lot of stuff like that. The skies might work. We've never seen a gem, except for Garnet Shades, we've never seen a gem wearing glasses. So hmm. they might. some of them might have bad eyesight. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Well, if I was a three-eyed fusion, I imagine that my eyesight would be a little off from normal. I might need to get my eyes checked. <laughs> We've seen Amethyst accidentally make herself with the wrong number of feet and huge ears and stuff. So, you know, ac- accidentally messing up your eye when you reform could be a thing. Sure. I think so. Especially like if you're centipedal. And you have to spit acid all around your eye. Yeah. Centipedal must be making huge use of some good eye drops. <laughs> From in the bubble. Mm-hmm. See, that bubble on the inside is just a huge salt bath for it. Oh, well, as long as she gets to eat chaps. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Well, shall we announce the title of the next one and wrap our stuff up let's do that what are we in for next time title of the next one is called friendship two words two words Mm. (laughs) yep so all of our listeners i will thank them for listening to this and ask humbly that they tune in next time for friendship see you next time aboard the friendship everyone thanks for listening (laughs) Bye. bye You've been listening to Ivy and Daria on Not So Giant Women. You can find episodes of the show in video form by looking up Not So Giant Women on YouTube or in audio form at anchor.fm slash not so giant women or your podcatcher of choice. You can, can also, also find, find us on, on Facebook. Facebook. Audio production by Daria. Video production and music by Ivy. Daria can also be heard on Postploitation, the Ausploitation podcast. And Ivy at her Steven Universe fan blog at love-takes-work.tumblr.com. Steven Universe was created by Rebecca Sugar and remains property of Cartoon Network. No infringement is intended.